This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my fully operational and AI, or maybe not AI, co-host, Jon. Hey Dave, I think we already talked about this in an episode before, about me only having artificial intelligence, meaning I know what you meant. <laughs> My robots will kick your robot's ass. Oh, he's a real boy, everybody. <laughs> it's uh, it's that time again where we dust off the uh, the 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 terrible uh, barrel scraping exercise of seeing what news is out there, and we have scraped the bottom of the news barrel, and we've come up with uh, this particular gem. Uh, which is talking about the uh, the state of uh, AI ops and what the growth of AI ops solutions means for the enterprise. Now, the article itself is yeah, is is an article, definitely, um, but I think it sort of stimulated a discussion between us, uh, which I think was worth having, and just talk a little bit about what. What we think AI ops is, uh, what we think it can do, what it can't do, what are people saying it can do, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, how how do you think of AI ops? I guess first and foremost, uh, how would you define AI ops? Um, well, I would say it's undefinable. <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> no, but whenever we see articles like this, the first thing we start thinking, I think, I think you as well, is AI washing happening putting AI in front yeah. of an existing word. So let's sell everything we sold last year again, but now it's AI empowered and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, is it a bad thing? Because, I mean, AI has come to the forefront a bit, little bit. It's being used more and more and it's actually getting useful. Uh, I mean, five, definitely 10 years ago, AI was nothing more than a theoretical, oh, isn't this fun? Look what we can do. But now, if you, can, if you see what the OpenAI uh, projects and things like, like that, Dolly and that kind of stuff do, it is a force. It is something that should be a tool in the toolkit. And I guess operations mm. should also get some AI tooling. So for me, that's basically how I look at AI ops. It's uh, ops as usual. But AI is here as an added tool in a toolbox. And it's a welcome tool. Because operations, infrastructures, deployments, environments are getting more and more complex. That's also mm -hmm. why I think this article is specifically looking at what it means for the enterprise. Enterprise for me means um, bigger environments that have the complexity yeah. that require this kind of stuff. Because just like not everybody needs to be driving around in a Hummer, Sometimes a little Ford, Volkswagen, whatever your brand of choice is, I don't care. I don't drive either of those. It's more than enough of what you need. I mean, I don't need a car to go to the, to the shed in the garden. Yeah. So if you think about this as being something that is valid, and I would I would fully agree that, yes, the, the kind of operation space is getting more complicated. Like there's, there's an huge number of drivers uh, driving that complexity. Like one of them is um, just the, the size and scale mm -hmm. that people are, are getting to. Like they're, they're moving away from maybe more of their traditional data center approaches. They're doing more, more kind of uh, work in cloud, in public cloud providers. They're maybe using multiple cloud providers uh, but they're also using those cloud providers more and the 
the technologies that they're deploying are becoming not just more complicated, but they're also, if they're adopting all of the, the values of cloud, they're probably changing more rapidly than, than they were used to. Like hopefully for a lot of organizations, like gone is the day of the every six month sort of patch cycle where every dev team or engineering team would spend you know, months building up this giant complicated project plan to go and then patch all of their systems uh, for a month or so every six months. And instead people are rapidly tearing down and deploying new services all the time. And like this is obviously, uh, well, this hopefully for most people is there's an improvement in things, but that rapid degree and rapid rate of change also strains traditional approaches to, to kind of managing that. Uh, and even go a step further that these days, infrastructures aren't being built by people anymore. Typically, it's configurations mm -hmm. as being built by machines for machines and putting a human in between to do the monitoring observability or whatever of the operations, it's just become a bottleneck. Mm -hmm. And it's also helping it because if people build things, we are irrational, sometimes not that smart beings. And we do we never do the same thing twice exactly the same way. So building any kind of AI on top of random events is hard, a lot harder than to build it on top of structured, repeated, repeatable things that you can actually predict-ish. I mean, if there's no pattern in there, all you have is noise and you can't do anything with noise. You need to have some pattern for pattern recognition software, which basically is what AI is, to have any yeah. function. Now, because all these infrastructures are being built by machines, by software, by configuration management tools, which create infrastructures that are perhaps more complicated than they should be because they need to be idempotent and the script should always run so let's just check mm -hmm. for everything that might possibly happen edge cases stuff like that which is yeah. a good thing that also helps with the predictability of the outcome of the logging of the metrics of whatever the, the timings it should take making it even more useful for things like ai to get that information to something useful with it because I mean, the next step thing to look at, I think, if we were to move on to that point, is what should AI ops deliver on top of what we have without? So one of the things is like, taking taking the complexity and taking maybe the the toil out of some of this experience. So that there's there's a lot of things that are relatively simple and fairly monotonous to go and do by hand or even to to automate when the environment is changing all the time and so having something that is able to follow a relatively simple i would say normally model as to you know what quote-unquote normal looks like or what good looks like and be able to you know, adjust and, uh, you know, manipulate the situation to keep in that sort of, you know, that set of green parameters, not veering out of that you know, by you know, deploying too much or having too little deployed or whatever it might be. Um, you know, keeping a variety of relatively complex systems uh, in the green without significant uh, manual intervention, I would think, is one of the the aspects that you would expect from AI ops. That's, what do you think? That's all in the creation state, then, while you're setting it all up. Well, no, I think it's in the ongoing, mm -hmm. because yeah, your your system is going to be forever changing. 
Um, you're going to have mm -hmm. a, a yeah. continuous yeah. pipeline of new stuff rolling out. You know, your your load from your user base or consumer base or whatever it might be is going to be continuously varying as it goes through whether it's daily trends, hourly trends, seasonal trends, whatever it might be. But are you also looking at things like auto-remediation then? Because for me, I kind of see in a couple of steps, the AI builds an infrastructure, monitors infrastructure, gives alerts if something goes wrong in the infrastructure, leading to needed changes, and then might also actually do those changes for you. Now, the further to the right I, you go there, the more danger lurks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I I would differentiate. To me, when I think of auto-remediation, it's when something has gone out of that, like things are no longer in the green, something has gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Like the system was operating and hopefully correcting for what it expected to be some form of normal set of behavior. And as I said earlier, following a probably relatively simple model. Now, to me, when people start talking about auto-remediation, they're talking about, they're not talking about um, like scaling out certain systems because load is increasing. Uh, which is remediation. I mean, it, it, it is, is an alert condition, not enough space, yeah. let's remediate it. Yeah. But it's what I would call an expected error, something you plan yeah. for. It's something that's within the realms that the model can deal with. Uh, in its normal method of operation is where where I would see it. So, like, you would you would have a, a, a set of conditions that would be, okay, this is increasing, therefore I will increase this. Or this is decreasing, therefore I will decrease this. And that, to me, feels like normal operations, where, to me, when I hear someone talk about auto-remediation, usually they're talking about something unexpected mm -hmm. has happening and they want a system to leap in, save the day, make a whole load of changes uh, to fix that random thing mm -hmm. that no one was expecting to happen. And that's actually where, for me, the, the fear strikes. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not a... I like technology, I like AI and stuff like that, but it's the thing about the moment you need the AI to do it, I kind of don't want to use the AI anymore. What I yeah. mean by that is that there's a number of uh, error conditions that you plan for, like scaling and stuff like that. Do you need AI for that? Well, no, it's an if then else. If load over X, then add new node. And that's how you want to really fix, hard code it, to be honest. Because if you make it heuristically based, then you might have nodes popping up and shutting down all the time because of some kind of race condition, edge case, things like that. While for an auto-scaling, well, if it's scaled up, just leave it running until it's night and just have a, a delay. I know that at 6 p.m. people go home, my site will be less busy, so let's wait till 8 p.m. and then we scale down to whatever is good for that moment, which is a better approach than having nodes pop up, pop down, pop up, pop down, because every time you pop, pop mm. up a node, you're paying for CPU cycles, that are not productive because it is still starting mm -hmm. up before you can use it. Now, granted, that's a very small time of the lifetime of that node, but still, if you do this a gazillion mm -hmm. times a day, that's going to be a gazillion euros, cents, whatever dollar cents, which is going to be a significant mm -hmm. amount in the end. So being able to do that with simple if-then-else statements will be a better approach because it's more predictable, it's less fragile, and those are important as well. Now, if you're looking mm -hmm. at the non-planned, problems or the unexpected things happening 
well, an unexpected things happen. If me, a human, looks at it, I can take all the context of my knowledge, experience, stuff like that, and use that. AI will always be an approximation yeah. of that, I hope. I mean, the moment that uh, AI has all that better than we do, that's a whole singularity thing. <laughs> we'll see if that ever happens. <laughs> I don't think I'll live long enough to see that. I think that's a good thing, by the way. But the problem there is that you, you will have a machine give an unpredictable, unexpected resolution to that unexpected, unpredictable problem. Mm. Now, where I'm totally happy, and that's, I think, where most AI ops solutions actually go towards today, is that the AI presents possible solutions. It offers, hey, yeah. this happened, this is what you might look at, this is what you might think of, this is what might also be interesting to look at to have a fuller view. So helping the human to do things. That's not auto-remediation, yeah. that's still the alerting stage. When you go to auto-remediation, there's some simple things you can do because some tools have it kind of built in. If you look simply at Windows, for example, yes, I'm looking at Windows now, so that's why it pops in my head, I guess. You have this thing that makes a copy of your registry database every X amount of time you've had it enabled. So just putting that one back is a simple, easy thing to do. It's built into the tool itself. You don't have to do any guesstimation yourself. You can just see, okay, if my antivirus ransomware detects something weird, let's just roll that thing back and we'll be good again. Now, the reason it sticks, sticks in my head, it, it actually has happened to me once where something caused a rollback of the registry and I, in fact, ended up reinstalling the whole PC because the things that happened mm -hmm. between those two backups, there were enough changes that just rolling that thing back was, you only roll back a part of the operating system at that point and the rest mm -hmm. of the disk, the hardware, the, 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 the files on the, on, on the C drive no longer are represented or no longer in sync with that state. And that's always going to be a bit of a problem. And having an AI that really encompasses everything, it's a very Zen approach, I, I, I agree, but I don't, I, I don't think we're there yet. No. I like the... Um, I like the, the kind of the approach that you were talking about um, when, if you're thinking about auto-remediation, like having a system that is available and is able to actually help you, you know, based based on the things that are happening, uh, as you were saying, like the, here are the areas that you, you, you should probably go and investigate or here are the areas you should look as a, an operator. And like that, I think, is a... That's, a, that's another relatively simple model, I would expect, that could be built. Um, you can have it as big as you base, want. I mean, if it doesn't do anything destructive, I mean, make it as complex as you want. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't think it. Often, I don't think those models actually need to be that complex because they're. That's another one. Yeah, I, I, I think sometimes people imagine that uh, the sort of the systems that are behind some of the conversations that we're having here are inherently like incredibly complex. Um, kind of systems and actually more often than not it, it is it is not the case they are relatively trivial um, simplicity and some is of good. this will yeah but also some of this will also depend on the the well in fact it will all depend on the data so the AI ops only works uh, once it has some level of training some level of data some level of baseline for it to base its recommendations on and this is where i also sort of uh I, I get a little bit concerned that some people are 
expecting to just plug in um, some sort of AI ops tool and all of a sudden it knows everything they're doing, it understands everything they've done and it can make immediate kind of changes and recommendations to their systems. Now, that might be possible for... Let's take a look at maybe like one of the the simplest possible use cases around some level of auto scaling, where you have you know, one or more parameters that give you an estimation or an understanding of the system's load, mm-hmm. and by system, probably talking about multiples of systems, and you have a you know a relatively small number of parameters that can be tuned or changed, which could be deploy more instances or it could be uh, increased network bandwidth, or it could be increased storage capacity, or whatever it might be. But like that, I think, is a relatively simple model that you probably could expect some, uh, some amount of value from relatively trivially. Like the, There are a variety of like, auto-scaler technologies out there that you can plug into multiple different cloud providers and get that sort of experience. Now, that in my mind, is very different to saying, okay, I've bought a, a an AI ops platform, I you know, deploy it or connect it to my existing cloud provider, and now that's it. I'm hands off. I'm just going to go and kind of go on holiday. Yeah, there's a technical term sure for that. It's called magic. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, I'd say you're right. However, we are moving in a world that would make that... I'm going to say feasible with very big asterisks because <laughs> we're kind of coming together in a single stack of of technology being the container-based environments. And if everybody yeah. is using containers, I mean, we used we all used virtual machines, but those were too clunky and had problems. Now we have this containerization that really is happening. You can say what you want. And I haven't seen anything on the horizon that might replace it. I mean, when VMs were all the rage, containers were already on, uh, looking uh, across the wall, uh, over the wall to see if they could take over that real estate. Um, now with containers, I don't really see anything else coming up. I mean, there's different orchestrators. Kubernetes clearly won, and I don't see anybody else trying to take that crown. The containerization itself, you have uh, Podman, you have uh, Docker, a couple of other ones. I mean, but that's just a component of the rest doesn't work. The orchestration stays the same. And your point on having enough data to build the models, well, that actually helps in this point, right? Because if the whole world is doing containerization, if the hyperscalers would all go on containers, for example, that would give you a sea of data. And to be honest, uh, on the more basic level, a Kubernetes cluster is Kubernetes cluster is Kubernetes cluster. Nodes fail, nodes must be restarted. You have your uh, operators for your networking that have certain things happening. Well, this is how we remediate those things. So... In today's world, I can see that it would actually be feasible. But yeah, as you say, in real life, I mean, I've been a DevOps engineer for um, more years than I care to admit. Simple is good. Knowing that if I press this button, that is going to happen. And I know that is going to happen. That's good because... I was in at a point where things like CF Engine and Chef and Ansible could start doing really weird things working towards a desired end state where you didn't really control it anymore. I mean, Puppet is easy, just do this, bam, easy. CF Engine was the one I worked most with. It was really built on the fact, okay, this is what we want, and System CF Engine, you kind of do whatever you need to do to reach that end state. I have... 
I may or not have been responsible for locking out the entire world of some pretty hefty computer resources. <laughs> because in the end, humans are still fallible and you can't keep any, all those all those different things that might happen. It's a very big problem. And that leads to me to the biggest problem with AI ops, and that's testing. For non-infrastructure stuff, you have your uh, OTAPs, you have your uh, acceptation, testing, things like that, like that. You can't test AI ops. That's the whole idea behind it. Because if I can test it, it means I can write rules for it. And I don't need the whole machine learning AI stuff anymore because I have a nice rule system to make my thing work. AI typically means the stuff you can't test for. Well, let's hope the system figures it out. And while it would be great if that worked, um, yeah, not exactly sure if that's a good thing. Now, I, I'm going to contradict myself in a minute, mm -hmm. so I'm going to let you rebuttal first. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was going to say, like, I think again, if if you're if you're testing for stuff that is in the like the, the the path of normality, then I think you can you can test it. I but think you don't need the, AI for that. If it's normal, I can predict it. I can make a rule set. Yeah, but what we're talking about here is is the is more of the. It's not that you can't predict it. It's just that you want. Uh, the the AI ops system to deal with it. It's not that you can't you know write rules for it. It's just that you don't want to have to write those rules. Instead, it can follow a simple a, a model, which is never operates simple. well more simple than uh, staffing a room full of people and and uh, and expecting them to go and figure out the answers sometimes. I'll be a Luddite. I'll trust the people. I mean, it's not like you can put an AI bot on Twitter and it becomes a racist, homophobe, misogynist in like three hours' time. That never happened. Uh, I think that did happen. Oh, sorry. Anyway, so the, one of the things going back to this article very briefly, though, oh, is that <laughs> it seems to... Well, the article seems to fixate on... Uh, that the fact that AI ops is the uh, the panacea and the the one sole answer to every organization's mm -hmm. um, multi-cloud um, sort of complexities. Oh God! And this is one thing where, well, I can I can kind of see I can draw a line between what they're saying and what I think might be rational, and that is that. Let's say you are an organization that has or is on a multi-cloud journey mm -hmm. of some way, shape, or form. It would be a good thing. Yeah. So you could have a uh, an AI ops uh, solution or you could build an AI ops solution that maybe there's one cloud provider that you have a good and deep level of understanding around. Okay. Danger, danger and coming. <laughs> and maybe there are others that you are, you personally as an operator are less familiar with, but the concepts between them are quite similar. Mm -hmm. Like if you can, if you can actually have a model that operates with a relatively standard set of considerations, I I could see a world where it was possible that an AI ops solution could help that particular situation out. Like you. There's one environment that you understand very well. You go through, and you you, know, you have enough data on that. You're expanding into other cloud providers, and I'm not saying that that will be the perfect answer because 
cloud operators operate differently as well. If it gives so you 10% of improvement of something, it's good enough. Yeah, but like if it, I would always expect there to be nuances, differences, like certain things that you need to scale up faster in one cloud provider than another, or maybe to scale down earlier or whatever. But that's what the AI like, can define. The AI could detect yeah. that trend. Okay, if I do it on this cloud, it takes 10 seconds longer. So for next time, I have no mm. learned. Yeah. But I mean, you're scaring me to the core here because the problem there, I mean, this would be the last thing I would look at to add a machine learning model because mm. you do not control the environment. I build models expecting some stability, or at least if this, the, the, the environment changes, I get enough notice that I can retrain my model to work in the new reality. If you go across three clouds, and Amazon, Google, and uh, Microsoft, uh, I love you all equally, or hate you all equally, that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, if you look at how quickly new servers come up and down, how they get into trouble sometimes, how version updates happens, multiply that by all the services they are offering, multiply that by three different cloud environments. Having a model that can take all of that will either be totally impotent because it doesn't do anything because there's too many safeguards in place, or it's going to be a, it's, it's 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 the new version of uh, what's that thing called again? It's uh, the monkey that breaks things. Um, Chaos Monkey. Mm. I mean, you, you've written a new Chaos Monkey at that point. That's, ooh, I would really... And again, is there a reality where this might happen? Sure. I mean, everything is possible. I mean, people could even start using common sense at some point. Now, AI will be first. That's very unlikely. AI will be first. Yeah, it's very unlikely. Uh, but will AI use common sense? That's a question for another day. Um, yeah, no. But anyway, I was going to contradict myself. Because saying that auto-remediation mm -hmm. is bad, well, there is one point where auto-remediation is very much in demand and wanted, and that's in security domain. Because if ransomware is hitting your environment, you don't want an email being sent to an operator. Do you think we should do something here? And that's also, I think, that on the one hand, we have this DevOps, DevSecOps thing happening where it all becomes one whole thing. This article is only looking at AIOps at the operations point. It's not really, as far as I read the article, it doesn't really talk about security that much. But I would kind of venture to guess that if we go this way, I think the security landscape is going to be the first one that gets heavily impacted because it's a high-risk a high-reward kind of situation. I mean, sure, remediation will probably result in shutting something down, killing something, revoking, revoking access, which might cause annoyances. But it is usually a defensible position that if system thinks data will be stolen, whatever breached, we've taken the preemptive approach of just shutting it down so until somebody can look at it. And it's also something, I mean, you had these uh, antiviruses and the next-gen antiviruses that were powered by AI. Those were 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, and it's coming back again, the NG, the, the, the acronym, I forget it now. But I mean, but that's the place that I would expect AI to be way sooner in action. And considering that SEC, Dev, and Ops are getting together, I think Mike's prediction would be that that's how AI is going to really infiltrate, creep into the operations environment through the security uh, use cases. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you do see, 
you do see things like um, like when when systems are behaving abnormally, um, there are uh, tooling or there is tooling that is around and available, and fairly common practices to shut them down uh, or, or to isolate them from the network mm. or do other things that that kind of limit the impact when systems kind of spin out and start operating outside of quote-unquote normal conditions so yeah that that you i think you're right that does make that does make sense but still with a heavy emphasis on the alerting on the detection part mm. and the resolution yeah. part is usually still rule driven yeah and it's also like the remediation isn't fix it the remediation is minimize the problem um and so then someone else can go and actually look and see what has actually happened to the environment or to the system or whatever it might be so that all being said should we all throw out what we have and buy the new shiny aiops enabled branded certified whatever thing would you yeah probably not <laughs> we're both working for vendors come on <laughs> Yeah, I I think everyone should everyone should continue to apply some level of common sense. Mm -hmm. I think AIOps solutions that claim to exactly. like literally fix everything and and solve everything without you having to lift a finger probably not realistic. Um, those that you know talk more about being able to reduce you know the toil or reduce the sort of the some of the more tedious operations or simplify certain situations i think could have some some real uh some real legs in them so i think it's like all of these things like take a take a critical eye to them yeah i would add to it that if you're using a solution that is not doing anything with ai ops and you're not even looking at it or just saying it's bad we're never going to do this and that might also be something to really look at because it's yeah. going to happen. AI ML is going to invade this space, just like it invaded any other space of our lives. Whatever tool you're using should at least be looking at how they can do something with it. But yes, as you yeah. said, if they say ML will solve everything, AI will solve everything, that's yeah, big red flag. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Anything else to add? Nope, I think that's it for me. And that is all the time you have for today. You can support this podcast. You can become a patron. We like our patrons. Contributions do help us keep this in the air. And since you're listening to this, we kind of assume that that's a good thing. We're on YouTube. You can like and subscribe and notification bells. You can go to www.roaringalpha.org. There's links to the Patreon page, the YouTube page, and more information about the podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag. And you can still uh, send your plain old email to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, uh, I have to stop here because my AI models and uh, reach an end state. Jon. And my name is Relatively Simple Model Dave. Yeah, my model stopped. I can't continue. <laughs> 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 we look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye-bye. See you then.